This isn't a spy stream. I see now I've done terrible things. But you started when you murdered my father. I'll never forgive you. Well, you're going to have to. He's no good to me dead. I'm a simple man making his way through the galaxy. Like my father before me. Welcome to Best One Since the Next One, the podcast that dives deeper than Black Kern Satin's hatred for those damn Trandoshans into film and TV franchises and the fandoms they inspire. This week, we are talking Chapter 4, The Gathering Storm. I realize I've been saying episode on the past episodes of this show, and it's been driving me crazy, so I'm sure it's driving some of you crazy. So this week, I'm making sure to say Chapter 4, The Gathering Storm. We have with us today... Travis Bryant from the Force Time Podcast. Hi, Travis. John, how's it going? Great to be here. So excited to talk some Boba. We did it. We're here. We made it. Uh, <laughs> we had some um, time zone confusion on my end, mixed with a couple Modellos, and uh, here we are. So, um, oh, yeah, I really pre- I appreciate you coming on. And uh, you have your own Star Wars podcast called Force Time, as I mentioned. Do you want to tell the people a little bit about that, real quick? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So Force Time uh, started actually. Back in December of 2019, so me and one of my friends, Nick, we went to the Star Wars Marathon before The Rise of Skywalker, and we were some of those crazy people that uh, did the (laughs) 27-hour marathon and kind of wanted a way to document it, like our time doing it, and it just kind of turned into the podcast, and then, yeah, that that was over two years ago now, and had a lot of really cool guests, and... Um, it's a cool series that we've run, and yeah, we covered all the Mandalorian, Bad Batch, Clone Wars. Uh, we've done some really fun episodes centered on characters uh, like Chewbacca and Mace Windu, um, some pop culture stuff with with uh, Saturday Night Live. So yeah, we kind of cover a, a wide array of things, do a lot of uh, interviews, and uh, do a lot of kind of deep dives as well. So yeah, now very excited to be a guest. I love being on the other side of the mic too, just because it's, it's a little fun. bit less work and it's more fun. <laughs> yeah, so so I'm I'm very excited to be here for sure. You have like a robot and your feet are kicked up right now. You're just like let the, <laughs> right. let the questions come to me. Um, yeah, yeah I really I really loved your episode you did with Brandon from Talking Bay about uh, like Muppets and Sesame Street and Star Wars and things like that. So that was cool. I got a bone to pick with you real quick. And I hate to spring this on you, but <laughs> let's do it. I mentioned to the into the garbage shoot podcast ladies that, you know, this, this podcast originally started as a, an idea I had for a star Wars podcast. And I was like, chain code, that's the name for it. Oh, and, then, no. <laughs> and, then, <laughs> and then like probably a week later, your chain code series starts, which is good. is great with, Kara DJ, but I was like, Travis, he did it. He did it. He stole it off of under me. No. Um, <laughs> yeah. But yeah. When that came to me, when chain code came to me, it was, you know, it was right when Mandalorian was coming out and we kind of learned what chain codes were and everything. And mm-hmm. me and Kara had been talking about, Hey, let's do some deep dives onto some characters. And like when I, when I, when that clicked for me, I was like, well, that's exactly what a chain code is. It's like a deep dive, like exactly about the character. And when it clicked, I was like, Oh, 
That's it. That's it. Yeah. But no, you totally, you totally could have had that. I would not <laughs> even said anything. We, uh, yeah, no, that's, that's really funny though. In terms of the chain code itself, first spoken by Boba Fett in the Mandalorian in the tragedy, I believe. So speaking of Boba Fett, what is your relationship to Boba Fett? That was a really, really clunky segue on my part, but I'm, keep, <laughs> no. I'm keeping it in. Perfect. <laughs> no. Uh, so my relationship with Boba Fett. So to be completely honest, I've talked about this a little bit on, on our podcast, but prior to the Mandalorian didn't really care too much. I, I always thought he was cool. Um, definitely wasn't like a favorite character by any means. I liked him, but you know, didn't, didn't ever really, you know, create any backstories in my head other than, you know, obviously kind of what we saw in Attack of the Clones and the Clone Wars and stuff like that. But no, I wasn't super into him. But then, you know, we see the boots in, in season one of The Mandalorian. And then we see Tamora Morrison bring him back in season two of The Mandalorian. I was just, once once you see Tamora Morrison as Boba Fett, I, I don't know how you can't be a, a fan because he's just so great. And it's, you know, the coolest story ever to have him come back, you know, however many years later after he played Django and now playing Boba and, you know, coming in into even this show, you know, I was still like, uh, I don't know. I mean, it's star Wars. Of course I'm going to love it. Um, but I didn't know if it was going to be, you know, my favorite. Cause I didn't know exactly where they'd go with the character. Cause it could have been really easy to just, you know, go with that action figure, uh, villain type character that is just mm-hmm. bad guy wants to go out and kill people take over. But, you know, kind of where the show has gone so far. It's just, you know, has kind of blown my mind that they're really going there with Boba. And so I'm, I'm all in now. I'm, I'm a hundred percent in now. Absolutely. They're, and they really are going there with them. I, it, it's really difficult for me to wrap my head around as well. Cause I just see, I'm like, we're watching a show essentially about a clone, a live action clone played by the person that the original clones were based off of. It's so crazy to see that journey come to fruition in a in a a series like this and really give that character some depth and it's really funny i feel like everyone that i've had on so far as a guest has great insights into the character have a a real emotional attachment to to boba now and to tamara morrison as just as a person because how could you not and then it always ends up that everyone's like i didn't really care about him before i didn't care at all so (laughs) it's like just that divide and being able to separate yourself from the character, I think has been what's made it so great to like have that glass filled up for you is just not having any connection to it. It's like if they went and just created a new Luke Skywalker backstory, you'd be like, I I don't know. I don't know about this. I'm not sure yeah. what's going on here. There's too much emotion to tied to this, which is like obviously what happened with Last Jedi. But yeah, it's just it's just really funny to me to see that like the people that want to talk about the in-depth character analysis of this guy are the people that like just didn't care about him before. So before we go any further, we should go into some details about the show itself in a little segment we call Back to Basics. Uh, the Book of Boba Fett, Chapter 4, The Gathering Storm, released on Wednesday, January 19th, 2022. Directed for my first-time Star Wars director, Kevin Tancherian. Well, he directed the movie Fame. Tons of TV experience. Directed a bunch of episodes of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., which makes which makes a ton of sense since with the Ming-Na Wen connection. And just came out swinging on this episode. It's like, yeah. give this guy some, uh, some more Star Wars to direct, please. Absolutely. Written, once again, by John Favreau, just having the time of his life. Cast includes Tamara Morrison as Boba Fett, Ming-Na Wen as Fennec Shand, Thundercat, making 
a huge debut in Star Wars as the modifier. I cannot believe we got Thundercat in an episode of Star Wars, but here we are. Matt Barry, shout out Matt Barry as 88. Travis's girlfriend, Jennifer Beals, is Garza Whip. <laughs> uh, right now, obviously, y'all can't see this, but Travis's name in our recording software is Garza's boyfriend, so we're good. I, uh, <laughs> I, I feel like you'll have a lot to say about that in yeah. the plot summary later. <laughs> um, and I just got to shout out Carrie Jones as Black Kern Santon, too, because, man, I'm just so excited that he's a full-time cast member of the show now. Yeah. <laughs> just seeing Black Kern Santon on a, on a weekly basis is is making my life, so... That's oh, so good. So good. Yeah, he's back. Like the next two episodes, we got to see him run last week. That was awesome. And now <laughs> we're just uh we're seeing seeing more of him. And yeah, it seems like he's like he's in. He's here. Like uh yeah, it's it's uh just what a great addition. A lot of people's favorite scene so far has been Boba dancing with the Tuscan Raiders and doing the tribal dance. Mine has definitely been uh black kernsan running away from jabba's palace it's just like where's where's he running like why are you in a hurry where are you going do you have a, <laughs> just... you have a plan right now what are you doing you're gonna you're in the desert man you gotta slow it down yeah you gotta um, pace yourself out there yeah find some black melons man <laughs> yeah. get, it, get it together much like every episode of the show a lot happened this week so it's a real lengthy plot this week but for those who have only seen it once or have not seen it at all or just need a refresher Here's what happened this week on the Book of Boba Fett, Chapter 4, The Gathering Storm. The episode opens with Boba once again inside his back-to-tank. We flash back to him riding on Bantha back to Jabba's palace to perform a recon mission in search of Slave 1. One thing I really appreciate about this episode is that it's definitely an answer mode. Because yeah. last week, I, last week I was like, I wonder how he's going to get Slave 1 back. Oh, okay, this is how he gets Slave 1 back. And I was like, yeah. I wonder what's going to happen to that Nikto speeder gang. Oh, that's what's going to happen to that Nikto speeder gang. Got it. Peering through the scope of his cycler rifle, he spots a smattering of Nikto guards and a handful of Gamorreans patrolling the perimeter. Realizing this is too much heat for a single ex-bounty hunter, he heads back out to the Dune Sea. Night falls as Boba shares his dinner with his Bantha fireside. Much to his Bantha's delight, we get a really a classic and amazing scene of a Bantha wagging its tail and, and burping in this episode. We get some good Bantha action in this one. We we really get up close and personal with the Bantha, and yeah, it's very exciting. I feel like it's to make up for all the slaughtered Banthas in the previous episodes. They're like, we really do like Banthas, guys. I, I We promise. It was a little rough there uh, a couple weeks ago, for sure. Uh, this morning and they were instantly in love they have a little like bantha plushie and they're like does ours burp off in the distance boba notices two flares cresting from behind a dune they go to investigate only to find an unconscious and dying fennec shand um our first crossover into the mandalorian um what did you think of this intro yeah it was great it was uh i was excited that we're there i was kind of i was i was kind of like wait like where are we timeline wise right because this you know, five or six years that, that go by between him getting out of the Sarlacc and then, you know, to where we are, where we see him in the Mandalorian. I was just like, okay, so last week, you know, what happened with the Tuscans? I was, that was, I wasn't super thrilled that it was just like, oh, I, uh, okay, are they gone? Like, where are they at? Where are the Tuscans? Like, there was only six or seven bodies, you know, in that pile. It's like, well, okay, we're probably going to see the rest of them, or at least the kid, you know, they got away. And, and then this episode, it was like, straight into okay now we're mandalorian season one timeline in a flashback still you know so so that's kind of where i was on it as far as still thinking about the tuscans i just got tuscans on the brain but when i heard that music cue 
and we saw the flares it was like oh okay like we're here you know they they, they've been kind of teasing you know even last year uh during the investor day how they kind of said you know a lot of these shows are going to cross over um which is really cool and yeah so once you hear that that little tiny music cue see the flares see him walking up on uh fennec shane you kind of know okay it's on and i really like that we're we're filling in those gaps too because you know that was something coming into the show it's like okay well we got to see him get out of the out of the sarlacc pit right like how did he do that we got to see how he gets his uh shit back we got to see this this and this i like that they're digging into that and especially you know giving fennec a little bit more um you know, or Finnick and Boba's relationship a little bit more of a uh, backstory, you know, and kind of filling in those gaps. I thought that was, yeah, a great way to start the episode. Yeah. And like, eventually they're opposing, they're opposing, but complementary views on bounty hunting and kind of why they need each other. Um, I do feel like they could have probably dug in a little bit more to Fennec, but I, I also feel like we're going to get more of that going forward. So from there, Fett takes Shan to a mod parlor on the outskirts of Mos Eisley, where he spots an even more ridiculous looking gang of droid modded youths. He carries Shan into the building where they're bopping to some Star Wars version of Thundercat. And the mod artist replaces the area damaged by a gut shot on Shan's body with cybernetics after being persuaded with a large bag of credits. Shand awakens in pain and out of sorts to Boba offering her a black melon. We got to talk about this mod parlor. Before we do, I would really want to compliment you. Only a person that has a Star Wars podcast could have read that part with with, with such ease. You just like crushed that. So, yeah, it's like it's like uh, Carrie Fisher, you know, in A New Hope and giving George so much shit about all the uh, all the <laughs> crazy stuff that she had to say and like the weird cadences and stuff. But yes, practice definitely helps uh, with that. You're well seasoned. Um, yeah, for sure. But yeah, I, I had to stop there because this mod parlor is so freaking cool. I loved this. It felt it was it was a lot like last week uh, where or maybe it was two weeks ago. Sorry, my, my chapters are they, they kind of mixed together after a while, but they're really doing some really new stuff like we've never seen something like this. We've never, totally. you know, that music, like maybe a little bit, you know, of, um, you know, in the Rise of Skywalker when they go into that that bar where uh, they meet. Where, where John Williams is behind the, his tending bar. Yeah, where it's John Williams <laughs> back there. And the, you kind of have that music a little bit. Babu Frick, yeah, it's, it's his place, right? Um, so you kind of have a little bit of that, but this is like that, like times 10, and that music mm-hmm. is is so good. And and just, we've been getting some great montages in this series totally. so far. This one was killer. It was so good. It was directed really good in the way that it was shot. And, and it just like, it wasn't Star Wars, but now it is. Like, this is Star Wars now, you know, Ooh. where it's like, it, it kind of feels it's just new. It's different. And it, it adds so much to the show. It just, yeah. the way it was shot. I, I loved it. And framing it as a, uh, like a tattoo parlor, but it's a mod parlor. It's just like, what a brilliant addition. Uh, it was, this part was very matrixy to me. I've got matrix on the brain for sure, but this part felt very of a piece with the matrix, especially with that music, like the cyberpunk aspect, to everything. I thought that Thundercat was just like a really cool surprise. Uh, just, uh, of course that guy is the one running this place. I'm thinking about that music too. I, I'm really obsessed with this diegetic music that's in clone wars, like season seven with, um, oh, yeah. with, uh, Ahsoka on Coruscant with the, I forget those 
the sisters' names. The Martez sisters, yeah. Thank you. Yep. Yep. Where they're like at like a cafe on Coruscant and there's just this like uh Star Wars Joy Division style band playing in the background. Yeah. I feel yeah. like these two these two bands, whoever this is playing this music, they need to go on tour and that needs to be a Star Wars show as well. It's just like a, a spinal tap or like behind the music of whoever these two bands are. But yeah, this scene was great. It was so industrial and kind of cold. It felt it felt very different for Star Wars, but like you said, like of a piece with Star Wars. So it was it was I want to say like kind of corny, you know, like Star Wars can be, which mm. that's that is Star Wars. It, it gets that way a lot, and it just felt I don't know. It, it felt so new, and again, something I would have never dreamed of that would come out of a Boba Fett TV show. And oh, totally. Yeah. I did like the close up too of her like new like cybernetic guts with the blue and the red line. It was like um slushy or like an icy mix. <laughs> It's yeah. like yeah. that's like one of her replacements is just like a slushy machine on the side. Yeah, I would take one of those in my <laughs> belly for sure. And I I do love I do love that we saw this because I, I remember talking about last year, you know, where we see uh, Boba and Fennec show up to help uh, the Mandalorian, and she like they're like he's like I thought you were dead. And she opens up her belly, and I was like, oh my god, that is awesome. I love just seeing the look of it was so cool. But then like we got to actually see that happen. It was just. Right. It was good. And, you know, the montage, it felt uh, again, and it's really weird because not necessarily my favorite um, movie, but it f- it did feel a little bit like the Rise of Skywalker when they're doing the uh, they're like rebuilding the helmet for whatever reason. Um, <laughs> and so, you know, when the monkey guy is like rebuilding that. But, you know, this like made sense that we needed to see this. I still am not hundred percent sure what was going on with the monkey guy, but, but yeah, it, it did kind of um, make me think about that at least a little bit. Just a monkey guy fixing helmets. What's the, what's the question? Yeah, exactly. Um. And uh, he does, ha- he does have a name, but uh, the joke on Twitter is that his name is Brad, that monkey. So <laughs> I've, I've just always referred to him as Brad. So Brad, the monkey fixed Kylo Ren's helmet. So they go from there Shand awakens in pain and out of sorts to Boba offering her a black melon. He, he places it near her and tells her to drink, but she first asks him what happened to her. Fett informs her that she was dying, but that had that he had also saved her life. She looks around suspiciously and then down to her, her own torso, only to notice the writhing cybernetics in the place that used to be her belly. Demanding to know what Fett has done to her, he tells her about the mod parlor at, parlor at Mos Eisley. He then reminds her to drink from the black melon, mentioning that it will aid her recovery. He then reminds her to drink from the slushy machine that's been installed on <laughs> yeah, her, on yeah, her exactly. head. Exactly. Get um, refreshed. Fett recognizes her as the master assassin, Fennec Shan, of the Midrim, and she tells him that her bounty will be more if she's brought in alive. Shan immediately offers him more than double the price on her head. He tells her that it's not money he's after. She asks him who he is and dismisses his answer, claiming that Boba Fett is dead. Fett tells her he was left for dead on Sansa Tatooine, just as she was, that the Tuscans had rescued him and accepted him into their tribe. He says that he tried to help them, only for them to wind up dead, after he attracted the attention of a gang of, a gang of Nikto speed bikers. Shan expresses her disbelief that mere speed bikers could have defeated the Sand People, but Fett changes the conversation and tells her what, that he wants to help recover his fire spray gunship, which is absolutely not a problem on Twitter, I'm sure, that he just called it a fire spray gunship. I'm sure no one cared about <laughs> yeah. that at all. Knowing to if I know Twitter, it was fine, and tells her that the ship is in Jabba's palace. She asks him why he does not simply ask for the ship's return, since it's his property, and Fett reveals that he is much less persuasive without his armor. Shan has Fett assure her that if she helps him, her debt to him would be considered repaid. This is probably seems like a good place to say this. I had a very busy week, <laughs> and I let Travis know this. I don't usually do this, 
and I really hate that I did this and I'll, I'll be living it down for a week. Um, <laughs> I usually like to write my own descriptions or my own plot summaries. And I had to borrow heavily from Wikipedia this week because of the time crunch for recording this episode. And uh, if, <laughs> if all my stumbling over words and like restarts and like spitting into the microphone, don't, uh, don't tell you it's Wikipedia can be very wordy. It's out there. It's out in the world now. <laughs> You've done it. Uh, no, it's all good. And this part of the show, I really like their conversation because, you know, when he when she asks, who are you? He's like, I'm, I'm Boba Fett. She's like, Boba died however long ago. Just the way that she says Boba's been dead. Mm-hmm. It's not, oh, Boba Fett has been dead. It's like, no, she knows who he is. Everybody knows who he is. It's just that small thing, kind of the world building aspect where it's like, of course, these two like know each other. How how much do they know each other? Probably not a lot or else, you know, they'd probably have some more conversation, but they do know of each other. And, you know, just just their whole conversation, like the beginning of their relationship, you know, you can kind of tell when, you know, after he says all this that, you know, she's like, the Tuscans have made you soft, you know, and he kind of laughs a little bit, kind of rolls his eyes. And, you know, that's kind of the start of those like little quips that we've seen all throughout this series. And mm-hmm. I love that they're they're kind of taking us back to like the origin origin of their relationship which i do agree with you that i hope we do get more like fennec shan and like about her like motivations and like what makes her go other than like just being a badass but it was good to see like the beginning of their relationship and, and kind of how they tick i think so too I, I i just would love to see more fennec because i i think about in bad batch how when they introduce fennec in that she destroys cad bane who was supposed to be like the creme de la creme, you know, even more of a badass bounty hunter than Boba Fett. He's supposed to be the guy and she just hands it to him. So it's like, I just really want to know so much more about Fennec Shan. I just really love her character. I do also love too, that it's a kind of a recognition that Boba that she's known of is dead. You know, that Boba Fett that she's aware of that's been the scourge of the galaxy, the king shit bounty hunter is dead. It's not, him anymore it's she's facing a, a man named boba fett but it's it's not the boba fett that she she once knew and he's this journey that he's been on so far has kind of made this conversation between them possible which where i don't think it would have been possible before it would have been ego city yeah for sure and he even says that you know he's like i almost gave gave up hunting or gave up you know this life for good and it's like i wonder how close he came to that of just like giving up not not really giving up but just like starting a new life, you know, like what would that have looked like? You know, would he, he probably would have lived with the Tuscans. He did for what, four or five years or so. So it's yeah. like, he probably just would have hung out with them and like help them protect their land, which is just really cool to think about like how far his character has come. And it is that like rebirth out of the Sarlacc pit where it's like, mm-hmm. he was tired of being put in those situations. Like Jabba sure. the Hutt put it, you know, they talk about that a little bit later about like their bosses being idiots. And it's like, they are boba fett is is smarter and and everything and yeah so though that was that was a really poignant i think conversation um and and i do like i did want to bring up again the tuscans because she does say it's highly unlikely that those you know that the uh biker gang killed all the tuscans so it still kind of leaves that doubt of like okay are there more where are they at did they get away and they just walked off single file but uh, Boba Fett didn't know how many were alive. You know, where's the kid? That kind of thing where it's like, it's still hanging on, you know? And it's like, what, what's, what's, what else with the Tuscans? There's gotta be a little bit more, I think. 
Absolutely. I would I would bet my house on the fact that they're, we're not done with them yet and there's going to be a larger payoff to that story. I think the, the, the questions that need direct answers in the show, um, like I said, they get really direct answers in this episode. And I think the ambiguity of the Tuscans being gone and just Fennec saying that again and bringing it up and being like, I don't know that that's possible is really kind of planting the seed for a return. But that's what I think at least. So definitely. And he also makes a comment, you know, when she's like, well, why don't you just, or maybe this is in the next scene. Maybe I'm jumping ahead a little bit, but it kind of, kind of ties in a little bit that, uh, you know, she makes a comment about, why don't you just go ask for your ship back? And he's like, well, I'm, I'm much less persuasive without my armor. And, that is, that's just so true you know it's like without his armor he just looks like a clone you know he just right. looks like a, a normal dude and like he's not a superhero he's not force sensitive you know he 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 doesn't have you know obviously like he's a good fighter but as we've seen like he needs his his armor and it it really like even just that line makes his return with his armor in the mandalorian and the tragedy that much cooler because that that already was such an awesome moment where he, you know, finds his armor and then he comes out and he just like kicks all the stormtroopers' asses. Like that was yeah. already really cool. But now thinking about him saying that, like I'm less persuasive without my armor, he feels kind of less than. And then once he gets that armor and he just like, you know, the way the music hits when he comes back with that, it just it it makes that moment a lot cooler too. Absolutely, and it, especially with that like symbolic gesture of mesh, meshing the armor the old armor with the new black robe pairing those two aspects of his personality together. So, you know, metaphorically stronger and physically stronger. I yeah. can't believe we're talking about Boba Fett like this still. <laughs> like, yeah, it's just, that's crazy. It's just so crazy. I, I, I love it. So from there, Fett and Shan travel across the Dune Sea and arrive at Jabba's palace where Fennec sends one of her drones to take a closer look inside. The droid clocks several guards inside the palace and a plan to infiltrate is hatched. Fett bids his bantha farewell, advising it to find other banthas to make baby banthas, and in the process, recontextualizing the now infamous like a bantha scene. <laughs> yes. Like a bantha. Yes. This is very I was good. like, ooh, okay, we got a little more <laughs> insight into what's going <laughs> yeah. on there now. Yeah, it does add a lot to that for sure. <laughs> this is just a, this is just a tiny little thing. I just I really love how that like scanner droid moved. Yeah. It felt like it felt like someone in like a like a green man costume like edited out and just kind of whipping whipping the ball around it just yeah. it just had a really cool um trajectory to it i don't know those are the it, kind of things i love about star wars it's just like how does that thing move what does that thing sound like and yeah. um that was just i don't I, I really enjoyed that scene even though it was just a droid floating around hallways it was really cool we actually so for christmas one of the things that um my daughter got it's this little like it's a baby yoda like little ball that has it's kind of like a little helicopter thing. It's it's oh, got sure. describe, but basically what you do is you hold it in your hand, you push this button and then you release it and it just goes straight up and it like, it stays like six inches above your hand if you have it under it. And this is exactly what, like when, when this got pulled out, that's what my daughter actually, she was like, Oh, she's like, that's like the thing we have. Cause it oh, is, like, love it's, it. it's really cool. Like little thing, obviously like we can't, tell it to go um see what our neighbors are up to or anything like that but uh but it, it was kind of the same movements and yeah that was it was cool it felt it was very like felt very droid like very star wars and but it felt yeah really new which was which was cool for sure yeah and what is star wars if not droids floating around hallways you know 
Absolutely. So. That is the definition of it for sure. <laughs> we found we found the very core essence. intending to find his armor and kill the bloated pig who double-crossed him, we'll talk about that soon, and take his throne, reveals that he is tired of working for idiots who are going to get him killed after Fett reminds him that he's a bounty hunter, not a crime lord. Fett informs her Tuscans took him in and made him part of their tribe and that he decided to leave hunting behind. Okay, double-crossed by Bib Fortuna. How so? Is that going to come up again? It, was there something that happened in between, you know, when we when we see him get a ship and when we see him kill like but it, it can't happen in between that time. It had to be before that. Um, that was weird. I don't know. Was it because he left him um, and didn't help get him out of the Sarlacc pit or I, I don't know what that double cross means for sure. OK, yeah, I also felt the same way. I don't want to get like too pedantic about it because it's probably just like, you know, everyone's got different perceptions of how things play out. Everyone's got two sides to every story. There's, you know, all these different perspectives from a certain point of view. I'm sure that Boba Fett thought at some point, like someone should probably come get me if I just brought you Han. And like, I'm just, I just fell in here, but like, it was kind of the, uh, the double cross line heard around the world. Cause everyone's like, he didn't really double cross him. I don't think like Han right. just turned around too fast. It just, it just kind of hit weird as like uh, seeing return of the Jedi, like 300 times. We're probably reading into it too much as a fandom, but I just yep. I just thought it was a really weird line. Yeah, it seemed very pointed. Um, it kind of felt like the line a couple episodes ago where uh, or Fennec Shan was like, you know, if we if we go to kill the huts, we have to get permission first. It's yeah. like, oh, that seems like that's going to come up again. You know, it's like <laughs> on that, this line, it's like, uh, maybe there's something with that, but maybe not. Yeah, it could be nothing, but I don't know. I guess we'll uh, we'll find out or we won't. <laughs> or maybe we'll get it in a comic in 10 years. The two breach Jabba's palace through the sewers and wind up in the kitchen where they come upon a chef droid and a sous chef droid preparing food. Shout out to Silver. I'm sure she loved this part. Our resident Star Wars chef. As Fett and Shannon come up through the drain, the chef notices the noise and the sous chef droid is sent to find its source while he contacts the rat catcher. Fett and Fennec quickly dispatch these two droids as an LEP series rat catcher enters the fray. Fett and Shan attempt to sneak away, but the droid notices them and flees. Fett pursues the droid through the kitchen while Shan watches the door. This this scene is insane. It's completely insane. We get uh, the chef droid, like, number one General Grievous fan, just spinning those yeah. cleavers like crazy. The little rat catcher droid, Boba chasing it through, like, crevices and things like that. I was like, oh, what is happening? That, uh, that was so fun. I was, I was rolling. I was like, what in the hell? Like, we got big bad Boba Fett running through this kitchen, like come here you little bugger you know it's like <laughs> what is going on and then he grabs him by the neck and he's like do you know who i am and fennec shane's just looking at him like dude it's a it's a rat catch like this tiny little droid he's like hanging it by the neck he's like he's like i am boba fett and the dude just like turns himself off that whole scene was so funny to me i i think that was my favorite part of the entire episode obviously i loved the general grievous uh sous chef and i love that we had sous chef and chef droid the whole kitchen scene like that really made made my entire day when I saw that little rat catcher droid like running through and he couldn't catch it. It just felt you've seen that in a thousand other movies of someone trying to catch a squirrel or, 
whatever it is, you know, like Christmas vacation when they're all like kind of going after the squirrel, the dog's going after the squirrel. Oh, yeah. like, he can't catch the little thing. And he finally does. He's like, do you know who I am to this little thing? <laughs> just, it was, it was just gold. It was a very like Charles Grodin chasing after Beethoven moment. I felt like. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. <laughs> um, that was good. <laughs> and it was, it was something that could really only happen in Jabba's palace. Like I, or on Tatooine in general, but like, this is a very like tales from Jabba's palace type scenario you know it's just i'm glad they yeah. took some time to do like some wacky wacky hijinks inside the uh inside the palace i'm sure no one had a problem with this on twitter either so yeah um, yeah <laughs> uh, fett pursues the droid through the kitchen while sham watches the door after the droid shuts itself down in fear after being captured by boba uh chef's kiss really awesome but that was yeah. a hilarious moment um the two reach the hangar where the slave one is stored two gaborians enter but fett and shan knock them out almost instantly several armed guards Several armed guards, girds, girds is what you get when you drink too much diet soda. Uh, several <laughs> armed guards storm the hangar and a blaster battle breaks out and Fett tries to make sure the ship can still fly while Fennec holds off the other guards. As more guards converge in the hangar, Shan blows up a gonk droid, causing an explosion that scatters several guards. Was it a double gonk droid? Was there two of them? Was it, it was it like, like a conjoined it, conjoined? Yeah, power? it was like the human centipede of gonk droids. I think there was there was <laughs> two middle piece. Yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> it was definitely yeah, it was a big one. Yeah, R.I.P. Uh, <laughs> large gonk droid took one for the team. The slave one's engines roar to life, scattering the guards. Shan climbs aboard the slave one's gangplank as Fett blindly tries to right the ship and take off. This is one thing I was saying before earlier about like visual choices made for the scene, really taking into account the complete impracticality of the slave one's design for action set pieces is like, yup, these guys know exactly what they're doing. And it's just, it's just so funny to me that like, he's like, I think he's like, is he facing up, up or down? Uh, the bubble of it is like facing at the ground. Right. Yeah. That's what it seemed like. And, Oh no, you know, it would be it would be up because it's taking off. Got yeah. <laughs> Thank it's, you for it, understanding this like thought process of like, no, the slave one takes off uh horizontally. So Yeah. It's it's very I am glad, you know, last last year in the Mandalorian when we actually saw the ship in action, like of them inside the ship, we got to kind of see a little bit more of it instead of just kind of what we saw, you know, with Django and, and him in the cockpit, where you kind of see how it like moves inside, you see how the outside like moves around the cockpit uh right. but yeah it's it's uh i don't know it's not a great i don't know yeah very not practical as a slave one plows through the hangar walls fett finds that the ship's guns are jammed because of course they are they yeah always they got to be jammed uh there's what's the uh, point of having guns in star wars if they're not going to be jammed exactly I, I every time i hear that something's jammed it's just it reminds me of space balls when they're like uh when they jam it and it's actual jam. Um, anyways, stay, staying with Boba Fett, Shan tells Fett that she has an idea and tells him to close the ramp. Fett reluctantly complies. She fires her blaster at one of the controls for the gate, causing it, uh, the door to crash and giving an opening large enough for the Slave One to escape. As dawn approaches, the Slave One flies into the skies of Tatooine. Fett reminds Shan that her debt has been paid and asks where sh she would like to be dropped. Shan asks where he is headed, prompting Fett to reply he has a few scores to settle. Shan decides to go along for the ride as the Slave One blasts off. I, I really like that whole hangar scene. Uh, and I saw it on Twitter. Someone made the um, made a meme of they put Boba Fett's head on Austin Powers as he's trying to turn around the golf cart uh, in the hallway where he's like, can't get it out. It's like, that's exactly, you know, what how Boba Fett it kind of felt as he was trying to get it out it's like yeah. he's just not big enough he's jamming into stuff and um he kind of 
you know, obviously he knows how to fly it and I'm sure he's a good pilot, but we don't really know um, if he's like a super good pilot, but it was like, um, it kind of reminded me of how, and this is really weird, uh, John, that this is the third time I'm referencing the, the rise of Skywalker, but in the rise of Skywalker, I think you love, things- I think you love it. I think you love the rise of Skywalker. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, one of the things that really confused me <laughs> in the rise of Skywalker was that Poe Dameron all of a sudden was not a good pilot. Okay. In the force awakens and in the last Jedi, we see that Poe Dameron <laughs> is an amazing pilot. He's awesome. He like, after those two, it's like, okay, like he could rival, um, Anakin or, um, Han or like who I think is the actual best pilot in the galaxy, Chewie. Uh, but then we get to the rise of Skywalker and it's like, he, he doesn't know how to fly the Falcon. Like, well, why doesn't he know how to fly the Falcon? You know? And he like crash lands it and it's, it's, it's a whole thing. Um, but that kind of reminded me of, of this with Boba Fett. It's like, dude, did you forget how to drive this thing? Like, why are you <laughs> running into all this stuff? Like, obviously, You're okay. So rusty. Yeah. Yeah. So I thought, I thought that was, uh, that was really funny. And it just, it really played to the fact that, that we've seen throughout this whole thing is that like Bobo really wouldn't be like where he is without Fennec. She saves his ass like all the time. And we see this right away, like right away the beginning of the relationship. And he knows that, you know, and that's why, um, you know, eventually, you know, offers to have her come with him. But, um, yeah, it kind of plays to that fact. And, and Fennec Shan's, uh, little like WWE move that she does where, that yep. was just awesome. I love when she does that. It's so cool. We we did see that uh, in uh, the Clone Wars, um, or sorry, in the Bad Batch, and yep. um, it was just I don't know. She's just she's the coolest. And and you spoke to it earlier that she, uh, you know, that she defeated Cad Bane. You know, if he didn't have those little things on his on his uh, boots, then he would have definitely been dead. But uh, I think she's like probably the top bounty hunter like out there. She's the most talented and, and yeah, most she knows it. And she yeah. knows it. And she she flaunts it. I, I love that about her. I thought, just thought this was a really amazing, extremely legible action scene. Like, it could have really gone off the rails with, like I said, how the slave one is oriented and like Fennec on the uh, on the ramp and chaos ensuing with the with the walls getting knocked over. But I thought it was just a really well done, really exciting, really fun Star Wars action scene. And I, I hate to say it, but now that you've said Rise of Skywalker three times, you've summoned it. You've summoned <laughs> it back into it's back in IMAX theaters now. Yeah. And uh, in Poe Dameron's defense, in defense of a fictional character, yeah. um, I do. I feel like the Falcon would be really hard to fly. It's crazy. It's that really. It's really off center. It's yeah. the, the cockpit is like your point still stands. And I agree with that. Where it's just I, like, he could probably figure this out. Yeah. He, he, he definitely should have. He was good enough, but that also speaks to my point that Chewie is the best um, pilot in the galaxy because yeah. he, he's, he's Han's co-pilot. Right. But whenever we hear other characters in other like media, they always refer to Han as Chewie's co-pilot or his like sidekick. It's like, Oh, oh yeah. You're hit. like they talk about that. I think a little bit in the Doctor Afra audiobook where it's like they kind of reference Han as uh, the sidekick, and sure. I think that Chewie's in the main pilot seat and that Han is in the co-pilot seat, and and we see this in the, the Last Jedi in one of the like most underrated Falcon scenes when they're on Kray and Chewie is flying it by himself, and just the moves he's doing with that, like that's that's Chewie's ship. He's the pilot. He's the best pilot in the galaxy. So totally. yes, it, it is very difficult to fly, but Chewie's got it down. Fett and Shan catch up with the Nikto swoop gang and absolutely annihilate them with the ship's blasters and rockets. Just like if there was any question, if there was going to be any of them left or if they would, 
be joining the pikes for this battle later it's like no sorry they're they've been completely obliterated i was just gonna say it's really funny because he say he saves the uh I, I know there's a name for it not the torpedo because it, it doesn't go underground but the like large uh ion cannon or whatever it is that he shoots the leader with like he proton torpedo that. right yeah yeah there you go it's there a you torpedo. Go. yep and he saves that for the the leader of the gang and that was, yeah. that was a nice touch hot it was awesome it was <laughs> yeah. uh i think that was a moment that everyone could agree was universally amazing and then <laughs> and then they head to the great pit of carcoon where Fett slowly brings the slave one above the Sarlacc pit in search of his armor. This is a point I watched it very early in the morning. I was up at like 7 a.m. watching this episode. I, I thought for a split second that we were about to get a montage of Boba Fett, like saying he had a score to settle with people <laughs> and like going individually group by group and like just annihilating people <laughs> with the slave one. And yeah. that was like the end of the series that like just the credits roll. And I thought he was just going to blow up the Sarlacc pit, which I mean, he obviously eventually does. But I thought, uh, you know, swoop gang gone, uh, Sarlacc pit blown up. He like flies. Someone like shortchanged him at like a uh, intergalactic grocery store one time. Blows up the the asteroid that it's on, and then like flies by a Mace Windu statue and blows that up. And like I just I just really thought for a second it was just going to be like a eighty style <laughs> montage of just him like taking revenge on the entire Star Wars galaxy. Like there's a. a there's a comic book, um, the Punisher destroys or the Punisher kills the Marvel universe, and uh, it's just the the Punisher systematically killing every character in in Marvel. And I I really thought for a second we were gonna go there, and I was so excited for it. But then what follows was even crazier. So I, I I'm not shitting you. I thought the exact same thing, <laughs> and I saw I saw your comment in the uh, Blast Point Super Chill group, and I was like, yes, like. That's exactly what I thought. I thought he was just going to go blow up the Sarlacc pit or the Sarlacc, just like blast him to shreds and then go on the next one. Cause it was, it did feel very eighties movie where he's like, yeah, I got some, got some scores to settle. And, and Fennec's like, I'll come along for the ride. And it's just like, they're going to go just like <laughs> exactly. mow people down for, and it's like, Oh, okay. Yeah. That's what, but yeah, I know I, you're not alone. I, I thought that exact same thing. <laughs> it's just really, really funny at this point. He shines a searchlight into the creature's mouth, but finds no sign of the armor. Just then, the Sarlacc awakens and latches onto the Slave One with its tentacles and attempts to drag the Slave One down. I'm so excited that I'm, I'm so sorry, Travis, but I'm so excited this part landed on me to read because I just yeah. I I have I hope you cleared out 45 minutes to just talk about <laughs> yeah. this. Shannon buckles herself and releases a seismic charge into the maw of the Sarlacc, completely obliterating that as well. Fett climbs into the Sarlacc only to return, finding nothing but junk. As she pours water on his head to cool his body down, Fett tells her that his armor is not in there. Shan opines that the armor has served its purpose by saving him from the acid. I, I put on my Instagram stories, like, sacred image, and it's just the Sarlacc, the Sarlacc with the seismic charge in his mouth. I was like, what are we doing right now? What is happening? It's so overkill and amazingly excessive that it's it's beautiful. And um, I can't even properly like speak on the fact that this is the craziest thing I've ever seen. Just taking like Return of the Jedi brain and thinking like, oh, this is the Sarlacc pit. Boba Fett fell into that. And now we're at a point in history where Boba Fett is in a show has climbed out of the Sarlacc pit and then, then Fennec has blown it up with a seismic charge is yeah. is pure gold. It's so good. The whole scene was really good. And the... Uh, when they first start looking down, like in the Sarlacc, first off, I'm like, okay, does this thing not have headlights? Like, why aren't they shining the light down there? Because this whole scene, like before the Sarlacc, before there's like the jump scare, it's like 
a good like nearly a minute of them it's like i, I timed it. it's like 40 seconds of them just like looking yeah. down it's, crazy. it's like really dark and it's like really slow and then they shine the light and they're like still kind of looking it's almost comically long yeah. and you're just kind of waiting for it and just waiting for for it to jump out and then it jumps out and it still kind of gets you a little bit and but yeah the seismic charge i mean that made me really happy obviously like the sound effect is so cool and the fact that fennec like she just knew that it was there i guess and <laughs> knew exactly what button and then the fact that like Boba had the gall to be like, don't touch my buttons next time after she saves him <laughs> again was was really good. Uh, they're colleagues. They got to they got to uh, rib each other every once in a while. Yeah, uh, absolutely. It was the best of both worlds with the you know, it's it was literally the prequels and the original trilogy like exploding like together. And it was just yeah, absolutely I mean, it just it was so cool. We so we see so much prequel imagery uh, in in both the Mandalorian and and book of boba fett but this one is like the world's definitely collided in that absolutely yeah yeah it was so I've, I've really just loved the entire time the the work that they're doing to moving mountains to to not legitimize because they're definitely legitimized at this point but to intertwine all timelines as as just one giant operating universe and it's like so in the evening shan questions his ambition to form his own house and fett responds asking how many times she has been hired to do a job that was avoidable he says that if only the crime syndicates took the time to think, they could have saved many lives. Fett says that if he is going to start a house, he needs both brains and brawn and tells Shan that she has both. Shan says it is tempting, but she is an independent contractor that'll do jobs for him, but values her freedom. Fett claims he can offer her something that no client has ever offered, loyalty. He offers to give her a cut of the success and pledge his life to protect hers. Shan replies that living with the Tuscans has made him soft. Fett disagrees and says that living with them has made him strong. He reasons that you can only get so far without a tribe. And yes, so earlier when I when I brought that up, I definitely did uh, jump jump ahead a little bit. But I again another just like conversation between the two of them and just getting a little bit more of the relationship and the fact that Boba's like pledging his life to her was really cool. And like no matter what she says, like. The Tuscans did make him soft, and I'm very, very glad they did um, because he does. He's like, how many lives could have been saved? Because he's seen, he's seen a lot of death. You know, he's probably seen some of his like friends or acquaintances or whatever killed because of some stupid job they had to do. And um, I just, I don't know. I love seeing this side of Boba, and I love that um, he's being so like open with Fennec and so mm-hmm. kind of vulnerable. I mean, honestly, with totally, her, yeah. you know, it, it really does add to that like storyline that we're seeing now where it's like, she knows he has dreams about the past. She knows he has scars on, you know, like that he's got to fix and she's seen him in his underwear and stuff like that. Where like, <laughs> they're very close. And, and I really like that we're getting those uh, kind of intimate moments. Totally. And, and this, this is a great point that, uh, Boba brings up because their profession is is bounty hunter is who these warring factions bring in for dirty jobs that they want nothing to do with. They don't want to lose their forces. Mm-hmm. They don't want to do this. They don't want to put their own guys on it. So let's just put one of these scumbag bounty hunters on the case and and step back and not do the dirty work. Let them take it. And if they die, they die. No skin off our back. So it's it's a great motivation. Again, we're in answer mode. We still, as of last week, we still don't really know why Boba's like wanting the throne 
or why he wants to take over. And it's like, okay, he's just literally telling us exactly why in this episode. Yeah, it's just, I, I love that the Tuscans made you soft. No, they made me strong and you can't get anywhere without a tribe, which is like the Star Wars motto. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, absolutely. And he's, he's, uh, he's putting together a new tribe after he lost his last one. And yeah, that found family. And I mean, and we could talk about it for forever, but just like, he didn't have that, you know, growing up, he didn't have right. a family. He had his dad, but you know, we keep getting those flashbacks of him seeing his dad leave. It's like, okay, clearly that is, is meant to be like, okay, Django did not spend very much time with him. He was always on the road doing his thing. And, you know, I kind of speculated a couple of weeks ago, like, was that, you know, the first time that Boba went with him was when they went to the arena and he got his head oh, cut right. off, you know, like, yep. was that his first like time going? Um, Cause that's really sad. Um, but now bleak. that he's like, yeah, yeah, very bleak. But now that, you know, he's had that kind of fam- familial aspect with the Tuscans and, you know, he sees what that can do and that it can make you stronger Then, yeah, it's just, uh, I'm so happy they're going there with Boba and, and giving him this side. As Boba Fett awakens from his flashback at the post-credit scene of Mandalorian season two, a servant droid con- congratulates Fett, telling him that he is completely healed. Uh, do you think this is flashbacks are cut off here? Yeah, because because yeah, like right at the end of that flashback, right, it's the um, Bib Fortuna stuff, and it's like, oh, oh, okay, are we done with that for good? I I don't know. I still feel like there's something there with the Tuscans, but maybe not. And and if not, I you know. Okay, we'll move forward. But yeah, that's that. It seemed very pointed again. But then Fennec comes in, and it's probably what you're about to say. But he, you know, she's like, "What about the scars on the inside?" So it's like, ah, there's still something there. I think there's, I think there's still something there. I personally think that the flashbacks are are a done deal because I think what we have yet to see with the Tuscans is in present timeline. I think, yeah. I think they're off in the desert gathering forces. I think they're off in the desert like the ones that escaped with the child and the warrior are, are spreading the, the legend and the, and the, the tale of this wanderer from the desert that came and we can reunite these tribes and take back this planet. I, I, I still, I'm still a firm believer that that's what's happening is this action with them is happening off screen. And that story in the past with them is done, but it's going to affect and ripple into the future for, to come back to assist Boba in his, his time of need. That no, that's a really good point. And that was something early on that I was like, okay, trying to figure out Boba's motivations. Mm-hmm. I, I thought that he wants to take over because yeah, he does want to get the land back, back to the Tuscans. Um and yeah, now that he like they keep referencing like there's a war coming. So obviously the, yeah, that's why Boba's kind of putting together his team. But that is a really good point, and that would make for a really cool um you know, uh, kind of climax, uh, to everything is he, you know, they're down and out and, you know, the pikes or whoever are, you know, about to take over. Then here come the Tuscans, you know, uh, out of nowhere or or whatever it is. And they kind of come help and kind of repay Boba. So yeah, that's a good point. And and that would make sense. And it, it does like that, yeah, you're completely healed as the flashbacks like lead up to, okay, we're not in flashback era anymore. It wouldn't make sense that there's, there's no more of those flashbacks, but, but the, the Django Fett stuff and the, the, him as a little kid flashbacks, like I, like those, those little pieces, I think we, yeah, might, great point. I think, yeah, and, and maybe that's, that's what Fennec is, you know, 
not directly referencing, but to the audience is referencing like, what about those? What about those scars? You know, yeah, we've talked about shit. Yep. we've talked about the stuff on the outside with the Tuscans and in your last five years, but what about uh, the stuff with your dad and and all that stuff? Because I do think we're gonna get they've sh- they've shown that too many times not to follow up on that. So I think that's coming. Shannon informs Boba that the Majordomo, <laughs> Nafet's prisoner, is singing like a yuzum but reports there is no sign of the mayor. As Fett summons the droid to fetch his armor, Shan tells him that the mods are combing the streets of Moses before him. Fett wants to show his face in town, but Shan thinks he should rest. Fett replies that power hates a vacuum before walking away. At the Sanctuary Cantina, a gambling droid serves several Trandoshan patrons who celebrate their win. Black Kersantan drinks by the corner, watching the Trandoshans menacingly. Kersantan picks a fight with the Trandoshans as Fett walks into the cantina. Garza Fwip intervenes, telling Black Kersantan that he has made his point. She tells him that she remembers his years in the pit, remarking that she has never seen a more impressive display of martial prowess. Fwip informs him that it would be dishonorable for him to dismember the unfortunate Trandoshan, and since he has run up a significant bar tab, she convinces him to release the Trandoshans in return for wiping his debts off the book. Been there. But yeah, exactly. <laughs> Black Kersantan considers before letting the Trandoshan go, but not before ripping out one of his arms. Flip calls out to Max Rebo to strike up the band. Hit it, Max. Uh, Black Kersantan leaves the sanctuary, but Fett approaches him with a job offer. The Wookiee looks at Fett menacingly. So, and I, and I talked about this on, on Force Time a little bit, but this feud between the Wookiees and the Trandoshans goes way, 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 way back. Mm-hmm. It goes back um, all the way to the Clone Wars, but also like in legend stuff. I mean, this is yep. stuff that's it's been around forever. And I, you know, in, in the first episode, we see the Trandoshan bring the Wookiee fur as as his uh, tribute to Boba yep. Fett. And then, um, you know, we just we see that Black Kersantan clearly does not like Trandoshans. And in this one, we kind of get that. I do kind of wish... There was a little bit like, you know, it's one of those things where it's hard to um, try to see Star Wars from like a normal person's point of view and not like a weirdo that knows all this stuff. (laughs) But if there was like a little bit of a line, but I know they're building Kersantan up to just be like this big beast and everything. But I would have loved just a little like either from Garza Fwip or or whoever of like, yeah, just kind of referencing that the Trandoshans used to hunt the Wookiees or or whatever. Yeah, their blood feud. Or even something. There's in the last From a Certain Point of View book, one of the stories is in in there about um, Bosk. And it's, it's this whole like back and forth of uh, this like mysterious I, I don't know how much spoilers matter for, for this book, but uh, there's this mysterious, uh, you know, Wookiee savior that breaks out Wookiees from uh, prisons and, and gets them back from the Trandoshans. And uh, I won't tell you the end of that story, but it it's really good. And so I love that we're continuing this thread of like Wookiees versus Trandoshans in live action and seeing it. And then Garza Flip. Okay, yeah. <laughs> Dress looks great. She looks awesome. I mean, she looked great in in the first episode. Just like the coolest character and she's just she's suave she's cool she's just um very good looking but i love okay she's got this whole speech and it, again comically long it goes on for over it's like a minute and 30 seconds that she is mm-hmm. talking to him and trying to talk him out of it just buttering him up too yeah yeah just talking him up and 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 all this stuff and and it's just all for nothing and just so so funny and then, and i love boba fett's like well it was worth a shot you know yeah, and she just kind of she rolls, rolls her eyes and yeah says hit it max and it, it was just really good i i really appreciated that scene for sure i do love boba's face here too he's just kind of like hmm 
all right. <laughs> like, yeah, it is funny too that like you know I can't name all the fifty state capitals, but I can tell you that the Wookies and Trend Oceans have a blood feud. You know, <laughs> yeah, it's like that kind of thing. But yeah, it is it, it is hilarious to think about that. Like, without that context, it just looks like a Wookie is getting completely plastered at the sanctuary, yeah. and it's just like I'm just gonna rip that dude's arm off and just kind of mean mugging him. There's clearly an implied hatred there, but <laughs> without context, it just seems like Black Kernsand's like. Like that, uh, this is like a hate crime against Trend Oceans, you know. Um, yeah, for sure. This whole scene is awesome. I, it's it's just so great. And Jennifer Beals, let's give her props in the scene because yeah, she just comes sure. out and is in full madam mode and is is really just so great here and just owns the scene and and just really gets a real showcase moment. So it was it was fun to see that and you know some more backstory for Black Kernsanton too. If you if if, if it's a character that some people weren't familiar with. So later, Fett and Shan host several local crime bosses at a banquet in Boba's palace. Shan reminds them that they are once captains under Jabba, but left his family when Fortuna claimed to be the heir. She describes Fortuna as a terrible leader with no right to the throne and credits Fett with removing him, promising that they can, can again accrue wealth and power if they listen to him. Black Kurt Santon is also present, looming over the captains. Fett says that he may sit on the throne, but claims to have no designs on their territory. He says that he doesn't, doesn't expect any tribute or quarter and won't give any in return before making a mutually beneficial proposal. He explains that the Pike Syndicate are mustering troops in Mos Espa, and they slowly absorb Tatooine as part of their spice trade. They have bribed the mayor and are draining the planet of its wealth. So this is a really, I just, this scene's fantastic too. It's the the meeting of the families, the long promised meeting of the families from the trailer that we've been waiting for. It's about what you'd expect, but still really delivers on that like mafioso intrigue and and uh if you scratch my back i'll scratch yours kind of moments and then i feel like this kind of was kind of like an arrival moment for boba of like his display of strength that he's been kind of lacking is just him kind of flexing to these families and saying that you know i got this you can either do this with me or i'm gonna do it alone um and i think that they're all really impressed by this now for sure and it's it's one of those things that uh they're not used to either you know I don't know how Bib Fortuna ran things, but obviously Job of the Hut isn't gonna, you know, give him an option, you know. Right, right, and, right. Um, and yeah, it is it is kind of what what you would expect. Like you saw, like we saw this in the trailers, and it's like, okay, well, it's probably about how that's gonna play out. But it was, you know, it's still nice to see because in the same episode we get Boba Fett chasing the rat catcher around, like in the same palace, like right. we're getting this scene that's like super serious, and he's like putting together a plan and, and all this so yeah i i love that yeah and bib i mean bib kind of splintered these families by giving them different different territories and now boba's attempting to reunite them even they've had this taste of power and you know economic growth and just getting rich off of spice and it, it, just an attempt to reunite them and bring them back together like he's been doing all along with everybody else on the planet but yeah that part with the rancor is like oh, okay yeah because you know, in that uh, first or second episode when Black Santon gets down in the pit and you, you can kind of feel like him and Fennec, like we need, we need, we should probably get one of those. Like we, we're going to be a rancor. <laughs> exactly. you know? and, yeah. And now they have something. it. Yeah. And now the families know that they have it too. And like, that's, that puts fear into everybody. You know, that, uh, the shadow knight, the uh, ninja dude at the beginning, like he didn't talk at all. But then when he got down there and thought there was a rancor down there, it was like uh, he just started talking because of the rancor. Buckled instantly. Yeah. Yeah. So like they needed that. And, and that was a, a good trade, you know, because he was like, I'll, I'll let Chrysanthemum go, whatever. And then 
the huts were still like, oh, here's a gift for you. So I think the the Star Wars fandom we've we've decided that the Rancor Keeper's name is Danny Trejo in universe <laughs> too, right? I think, right? I, yeah. I can't remember his character name is just Rancor Keeper, but uh, you know, it's just Danny Trejo. Yeah, for sure. I love that. He's the best. You know, it's it's definitely wishful thinking and it's definitely I, I'm not leaning into it too much because I don't want to be disappointed, but I just want nothing more than Boba Fett riding on top of a Rancor with Fennec fighting alongside him and Black Crimson and the cyberpunk kids on their Vespas with their like yeah. other cyberpunk buddies and then a swarm of Tuscan Raiders behind them, like fighting the pikes. Like yeah. how crazy we're going to get here. Are we going to, you want to get nuts? Let's get nuts. Let's do it. Yeah. It's, it's leading there. It's going there. But it's like, is that all that overlap going to happen? I just can't even comprehend that. I, yeah. I don't have, <laughs> I have time so to talk much. about Rangers, but I just can't, have, I can't stop to think about that for too long. And finally, Fett and Shan watch from a balcony as the crime Lords depart. Fett says that they must prepare for war, but are short on muscle. Shan reveals that credits can buy muscle if you know where to look as the Mando theme blares and we fade to credits. It's all happening. Travis, on your show, Force Time, you have Grogu Watch and you have Chewbacca Watch. Can we get a uh, air raid siren for Din Djarin Watch? Absolutely. I think even I think even Grogu watch right now. I I uh yeah, this was something and I can't I think uh, me and Kara started this uh, in our bad batch discussions uh because we were like, well, you know, maybe this will show up and and I, if you've ever listened to Force Time in any of our Mandalorian episodes uh, or Bad Batch episodes, we also, yeah, like you said, Chewie Watch, Chewbacca. I was I was so sure that Chewbacca was going to show up in the Mandalorian because Eunice Sotamo was like uh, following all the cast. The cast was all following him back. Um, he was obsessed with the Mandalorian tweeted about it like all the time. It turns out like he's just a huge Star Wars fan, just like we are, you know, nothing there. But Chewy Watch went kind of up a lot when we got um Black Kersantan and just the fact that this is a Boba Fett story. Uh, you know, who does he have history with? Han Solo, of course. I still right. think that that could come into play. I do think we could see Chewy, but yes, the Mando theme played. Uh, definitely the Din and like that's his music, like the WWE, like, oh my, my God, that's his music. Like that, you know, he's, Love he's it. definitely, he's definitely coming, but like, and I don't think they're going to, I don't, I don't know if they'll reunite him in, in Book of Boba Fett, but like we have to see Grogu again. The, the Grogu's a cash cow. Everybody loves Grogu. <laughs> and I think, you know, why not have him show up at this point? And who knows? Maybe Mando already, uh, you know, maybe he's got him for the summer uh, away from uh, Luke's uh, Jedi camp. So so I think, yeah, we are definitely in red alert on Grogu watch uh, for sure. I like the idea of Din and Luke going to like friend of the court and uh <laughs> and hammering out the custody agreement yeah for sure i and, and thank you for like just wholeheartedly saying they played his music because i talked to like three or four people in the past two days about the theme and they're like are you sure that's his music and i'm like yes i'm absolutely sure that a recorder going woo, 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 yeah. is yeah. the mandalorian's music like what are we doing this is yeah. I, 
I, this is not up for discussion. A lot of things are up for discussion, but this is like basically Fennec winking at the camera and being like, you know who's coming. And it's like, maybe it's, it's definitely not just Din because it's not like it would be like, let's empty the treasure trove for Din Jaren, who is like always getting his ass kicked. Uh, <laughs> but like, you know, clearly he's at an arrival point as of season two as well. And, you know, it could be Din and it's probably not Din and the Night Owls because there's some drama happening between them. If you're not familiar, if you yeah. can't remember, there's some some dark saber drama happening. <laughs> uh, but I thought maybe it's like the, maybe it's Din and like the guild, like the bounty hunter guild. Maybe they're going to like empty out the vaults to like everyone with our bounty hunter past. Maybe they all get a cut of this crew up on Tatooine. Maybe it's, I've heard a couple of people say, well, maybe it's like maybe the bad bash is involved somehow. I don't really know how that would work, but who knows? And like I said, yeah. anything's possible. I, I don't really foresee that happening, but hell bring them in, bring in the Harlem Globetrotters, bring in, uh, like the Scooby-Doo uh, mystery gang. Just let's just get them all, everyone all together to fight the Pikes. But it's just like you know what's happening, and just to have the confirmation and like the flares weren't enough. That was already exciting and like oh cool they're crossing over. But to say like oh he's gonna come into this show too is yeah. uh, in, in some capacities is super exciting. You and I were saying before you came on this episode, I was like yeah we'll 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 be most of the way into the season and the foot will probably be on the gas, but the foot is like firmly on the gas now. So yeah, it's uh it's coming and they've been like really hyping up this war and you know like I a lot of people you know have have you know just with discourse have been like okay well these flashbacks are boring or you know why do we need this it's like no like Ooh. that that exactly that 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 builds his character so much we needed all of that um i've enjoyed all of it i'm very glad that this is the route they took i thought it was really cool that they used the back to tank as the um device that you know had him um have these flashbacks um, but yeah like this this did feel like kind of that turning point where it's like okay present time uh the war's coming we gotta load up um i got chrysanthemum i got the gang you know of um disgruntled youth um his <laughs> dare program going on and everything and uh they're ready to go and yeah it's coming and like these next couple episodes like a lot of people have pointed out we haven't seen anything from these next three episodes this yeah this episode um that we're talking about now you know like we knew that the big meeting at the table is going to go on and we knew that they were going to be like well what if we just kill you and they're going to have that conversation but we mm. haven't seen anything from these next episodes and um yeah din Djarin's coming for sure i yeah, it could be a bounty hunter thing too, where it's like, you know, that's what sold Fennec was that right. she, you know, well, she, yeah, I'm tired of working for idiots too. Like, yeah, I know, I know some why people. Why don't we take over? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So I, I just felt like, you know, especially saying like, how much treasure do you have? Like, it's not just like, I don't know, bring out the good stuff. Let's get some, uh, some muscle in here. And yeah. um, I don't know, it, it remains to be seen how that's going to pan out, but it's just, Whoever shows up, it's gonna, it's about to get awesome. And there's three episodes left, which is really crazy. That um, this feels like a, a a climax of sorts, and we're just moving into the last three episodes. And uh, I can't believe we're over halfway finished with the book of Boba Fett already. I don't really know if you have anything else you wanted to add about this episode, but I feel like we've we've covered a ton of ground. Yeah, no, we did. I um, no, just like overall, this this was yeah, such a great episode. So much cool stuff. Just I don't know, it's all meshing so well to me and um we're really getting the best of like star wars in in all its glory and all these like little things big things um the found family aspect just it's it's um 
yeah, it's it's definitely been more than what I expected for sure. I feel like in the first episode we recorded for episode one of this, I was like, Tatooine, boring, and I'm like, I just let I just want to stay here forever now. Yeah. I, every time I open my mouth to criticize something I don't like about Star Wars, it 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 it, uh, it proves me wrong. I mean, that being said, are you ready? to face the trials i'm ready i'm as ready as i'll ever be you're like i guess (laughs) (laughs) let the trials commence we're trying a new one this week travis i uh i let you in a little bit on it but not too much but we're going to play a little game. Since this episode had so much to do with what it means to be a bounty hunter, we're going to play a game called The Bounty is Right. I'm ready. So yeah, the rules for The Bounty is Right is I will list off four popular characters in Star Wars and the bounties that were being posted for them in the universe at various times throughout the Star Wars timeline. You have to guess what their bounty was within 10,000 credits below or above the price. Does that make sense? It makes sense. I'm going to do my best. It's definitely, I'll say this, it's not as hard as you think, but it's definitely as hard as you think. I know that doesn't make any, it doesn't make any sense, but it's, it's kind of all over the place. So uh, may the force be with you. First up. Han Solo at the height of Jabba's irritation with him right before Boba brings him in. What was the bounty on Han Solo's head? Oh, there's a lot of credits for Han Solo. He really uh, wanted Han Mabuki. Uh, he really <laughs> wanted him. Um, let's say 250,000 credits. Oh, so close to the 10,000. It was uh, 224,190. Oh, wow. That's really specific. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) Dang. uh, Okay. God God bless the internet. Yeah. Um, (laughs) Nice. All right. Kira for Crimes Against the Empire in the War of the Bounty Hunter series. Oh, yeah. Um, I should really know this. Um, I don't think it was that much. I want to say, let's say... 40,000 credits. We're going to give it to you. It's 50,000 and it's within 10,000. Oh, all right. right. Wow. There we go. Uh, All right. Feeling good. Kind of an insultingly low uh, bounty. It is. uh, Oh, yeah. Especially for for Kira. Crime Lord Kira. Um, Luke Skywalker after blowing up the Death Star. Oh, wow. Okay. That's got to be like in the millions, right? Let's say I would hope it would be. I mean, unless they're not very smart. Uh, Two million credits. It's sixty thousand credits. Oh wow! This seems like they probably want to at least do that, two million for the guy that just blew up their space station. Darth Vader, like he really didn't. He wanted to be the one to find Luke and and tell him. And yeah. it's, I've always said it about Darth Vader. He's had a little bit that just that little light that's always there that. um He'll never kind of in the Empire Strikes Back when he halts Boba Fett from shooting Chewbacca after Chewbacca um, throws that stuff. Like there's a whole theory on like why he did that and why he like had that little interaction with Chewie. Just like mm-hmm. there's always like just a little bit. So I'm thinking that was Darth Vader's fault. Like he put it real low so not that many people would go after him and try to try to get him. That's an excellent point. Yeah, there's that the obsessive nature of of, of Vader. 
is yeah. is my is my favorite is my favorite uh vader era is obsessed with luke vader is like pure uncut star wars to me and i love it so much so that's a very that's a great point so oh uh fun fact for that luke uh han was annoyed by that because it was 10,000 higher than his uh, 50,000 that he had at that point on his head. So that's our Han. <laughs> yeah. Classic um, Han. <laughs> classic. And finally, uh, Leia's bounty on her head after the Battle of Yavin. Okay. Um, that. Hmm. After the Battle of Yavin. Let's say 80,000 credits. I think they wanted her more than Luke. <laughs> Ten million credits. Ten million. Wow. Okay. Wow. Yeah, that it, that seems right. I just I guessed low, but uh, that seems right after after everything that Leia did, how much of a hero she was. She's that leader of the rebellion. You got to get is. her. You can't have the morale boost. Well, that was our first ever edition of the Bounty Is Right. Maybe the last edition because those are the, literally the only credit amounts I can find for characters. Oh, nice. so. <laughs> yeah, perfect. Well, uh, I'll play it again next time, and that way I know yeah. what the answers are. I'll mix them up. Yeah, I'll put them yeah. in different. I'll put them in a different order. Perfect. Uh, <laughs> yeah, we're closing out the Book of Boba Fett discussions with what you would do as your first. Uh, week as daimyo on Tatooine. What would your what would your crime lord reign look like? Um, I would definitely add. Wow, that's uh, that's a really good question. Um, I would add recycling <laughs> to wow. uh, to most Espa for sure. I haven't seen any good recycling containers. Um, that includes composting because I know there's all sorts of food from Jabba's palace that like. <laughs> They need to like at least get set up in there um, with that feast that they had. Like, there's no way uh, Fennec and Boba. I'm guessing the Gamorreans came in and cleaned a lot of that out. Um, no, but wow, that's that is a really good question. Um, I I feel like I would team up with the mod uh, the mod squad the um, the discarnal youth. I think they're uh, desperate. I think that they're really cool. They have really cool little Vespas that don't go very fast. I like that. Did um, you say they're desperate? <laughs> no. Uh, yeah, I think so. I think so. Right. There's no jobs. Uh, they've been trying oh, yeah. to steal okay. water. Cause yeah. Yeah. So the, they're disgruntled and um, they're desperate. I think they'd be good to work with um, sure. to, to team up with for sure. Um, instantly, lo- instantly loyal. They came to his side with black Kersantan almost right away. So yeah, exactly. <laughs> and um, I think, the last thing for sure i would just hang out at garza flips establishment like all week just hang out there get to know some of the locals get to know garza a little bit better and um yeah (laughs) hang out hang out there for sure yeah run up that bar tab because travis is thirsty (laughs) yeah uh yeah no something about that white that white gown that wraps it up for the trials and for our book of boba fett chapter four the gathering storm discussion. Travis, thank you for, uh, for jumping on here with us and, uh, talking some Boba Fett. We appreciate you. Oh, my pleasure. It was a great time. Where can people, uh, find force time if they want to, uh, listen to it and where, what's a good hopping on point for them? Yeah, for sure. So, uh, we are available everywhere. You listen to podcasts at force time pod, uh, force time, a star Wars podcast. Uh, you can find us on Instagram. It's a good place. That's where I'm probably most active on Instagram mm-hmm. at force time pod. Uh, also have Twitter, not as active as there, um, at force time pod as well. And then have a link tree in um, both bios on Instagram and Twitter that kind of link to some of 
um, my guest spots on other podcasts and I'll add this one in there as well. And, um, yeah, so come say hi on Instagram. It's a good time over there. I feel like I always say like, listen, wherever podcasts, wherever you get your podcasts, but that's like not true for this show. I don't know why I keep saying it. It's just like embedded (laughs) in my psyche to say it, but I feel like yours is actually everywhere you get your podcast. So that's good. I Um, think it is They're They are, they're always adding like new, new ones. Um, but I, I think it's, pretty like if you're a normal person you're listening on uh <laughs> apple podcast spotify uh is Zen, i think there's travis um, said it not me so. <laughs> yeah, no no wherever you listen i appreciate it and if you can't just tell me and yell at me and i'll uh, try to get it on there I, I just do think it's weird when people listen on things that aren't spotify apple podcasts no yeah. offense we, <laughs> yeah. it takes it takes all kinds and it's just you just you like what you like and we get it but uh and there's got to be a better way eventually to like share out the podcast on Instagram. It's just, there's just yeah, got to be a better way. Um, but yeah, we'll link, we'll link to all that to Travis's link tree and his Instagram page and, and the force time podcast in the show notes and description for this show. But yeah, once again, Travis, thank you so, so much. And uh, thanks for accommodating all the wacky time changes and things like that. So happy to do it. Happy to be here. Cool. That does it for this week's episode of best one since the next one, make sure to subscribe rate and review us on Apple podcasts, like the normal person that you are. And then uh, <laughs> go on Spotify, go on Spotify and rang the bell, hit five stars on there. Rate us. We have a few five star reviews on there already. Uh, and we really, really, really appreciate that. It really helps us uh, become more visible, especially as a newer podcast, you know, again, be one and one pod on Instagram currently off Twitter. Cause it makes me a bad person. And is yeah, so come find us on Instagram. And uh yeah, thanks to Christian Cremo, Josh Stacy, and Rick Johnson for our theme music. We'll be back next week for our chapter five discussion of Book of Boba Fett with the ladies from Into the Garbage Shoot podcast. Um, they made me an honorary co-ho on their show. It was two hours of just us yelling about Boba Fett's toes. So make sure to wear noise canceling headphones when you listen to that one. And uh strap in because it's going to get wild and uh yeah thanks so much for listening and we'll see you next week